folks, to another episode of That's Anita Live. Emotional healing through sharing to help you create a happier life. I'm Anita, your host, and this week our topic is how to identify the man monster. My guest, T. Renee Gardner, realized she had been abandoned by her intimate partner after waking up from a coma in the hospital. What's up, T? Hey, what's going on? How are you? Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Good day to be here. Good day to be above ground. Okay. <laughs> and thank you very much for coming out to share my story with your viewers. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Now, let's walk through your story from the very beginning. Absolutely. Because it kind of kicks off. The transformation, I guess, kind of kicks off with the day that you went to the hospital and you were in premature labor. Yes. And, and that day was um, a super amazing day of a regular routine okay. of knowing that I had to go to the doctor for a routine visit. Mm -hmm. That particular visit, while we're talking about the dog and introducing the dog to the baby and how to introduce the baby to a book and my daughter. I mean, we're literally talking about getting books off of Amazon so that we can do all these things. Okay. But we want to make sure that, that right. um, when we bring baby home, everybody is so super <laughs> excited. Right. And so while I'm sitting there, Anita, the doctor um, just measured my belly mm -hmm. and she says, you know, there's something's not right. Hmm. You know, you're measuring at 29 weeks and you're now 30 weeks, 32 weeks at the time. And you're supposed to be growing. I'm thinking, well, I am because I can feel the baby right, moving. Right. And she asked some very, you know, important questions like, do you feel the baby moving? And I'm like, yeah, but then I'm second guessing myself, maybe not as much, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. So we thought to do one or two things. We thought we could wait until it was Good Friday. We can wait until, and it was on a Friday actually, Good Friday on a Friday. And we could wait until Monday to go to, you know, a doctor, uh -huh. a hospital and do the sonogram, or we could do it right away. You know, based off of what I was telling her, she wasn't quite sure. My blood pressure was normal. So the only thing was, I just wasn't sure in two weeks. I just didn't measure up two weeks, mm. the same weight. We said, oh, well, the person that takes the sonogram, she's in the back, maybe you can meet with her. We thought she was gone home, so that's what we were thinking about mm -hmm. waiting. And actually, I went back there and, you know, she measured the baby, looked at the baby, and she left out the room. And the doctor came back in the room and told me, you know, you need to go to the hospital wow. right now. And the conversation went like, hi, Miss Garner. Well, good news. You might be having a baby today. The bad news is it's a little early, two months early. Ooh. And I thought, okay. You know, at that moment, everything was like, womp, 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 you know. And so I went home and packed up some stuff and I tried to call everybody and I called um, my child's father. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You in the doctor's office, up on the table, up on the gurney. Yeah. And the doctor says, you may be having a baby today. Mm -hmm. You don't go directly to the hospital. I sure didn't go, no, because you went home. I went home, got some stuff. I wasn't ready. This is, <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> what? I, wasn't, I wanted to make sure I had my little baby bag. I didn't want, well, you know, I want to make sure my hair okay. done. Okay. In that oh. time, a moment, hey. my blood pressure wasn't high. Really, you know, I wasn't feeling anything, so I didn't run off. <laughs> but 30 minutes later, I was like, I better get to the hospital. So I, I'm on my way to the hospital, and the doctor looked at me and was like, we've been waiting for you. Where have you been, right? And I'm trying to make the last minute preparations. I mean, it seemed like everybody was, wasn't available. So then I called babe, my, son, my son's father, 
and his employee said he wasn't home. He wasn't at work, I'm sorry, not at home. He was out of town in another state. His daughter was dealing with some stuff and it was a domestic violence situation. So I thought, well, maybe that's true. Mm -hmm. And so I'm on my way to the hospital and I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about, you know, the baby. By the time I get there, my blood pressure was 220 over one something. And it was absolutely, I mean, it just was, it was all of a sudden. So the doctor looked at me and she said, hmm, nope. Well, I'm going with preeclampsia. Whoa. Save mommy and baby. That's how it works. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. Because she knew there was nothing to bring my blood pressure down. She knew that I had preeclampsia. She knew that my blood pressure was super high and it all happened so quick. And I literally turned blue. So I knew I had fluid in my body, but I didn't see myself turn blue until later on when I saw the pictures. I saw some before pictures okay. and after pictures. Okay. And you could literally see like the color of your shirt. I was probably like the, yeah, the color of your, your um, lighter color. Um, wow. Mm -hmm. I started getting dark that quick around my face. And then after the baby was born and I took the first picture, they let you hold a baby. Um, you know, the, the, my color was starting to come back. You know, I kind of looked kind of normal, you know. So okay. truth, say when you have preeclampsia, the only solution is C-section because you have to save mommy and baby. So, you know, the process of having the baby that day uh, was amazing. It wasn't right away because when you have a baby in your old age, you, um, in your old age, <laughs> in your old age, you gotta be. <laughs> You know, they give you a shot when they know the baby lungs are too small. So the doctors give you a shot in, in both your, your, your buttocks. One one day, mm. one the next. Mm. And that is for the baby lungs to just be developed, right? So I had to go through that process. I was trying to go through that process, everything. <laughs> and then the baby come out and he wasn't breathing. And then, mm. um, then he started, it was like a good 20 seconds. And I'm like, oh, but you know, I'm really, you know, getting in, like, Lord, blah, 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 right. you know? And then he started breathing and crying and stuff, and he was like, boy, I was like, yes. So at what point did, did you slip into? I kept having cramps in my legs, and my blood pressure was always spiky. So the doctors thought it was gonna regulate. So they gave me the, you know, slow release medicine, mm -hmm. which is magnesium. And then she gave me um, an emergency release magnesium, because my blood pressure was just going up and down, up and down. It was really, really crazy. But I kept complaining about cramps in my legs, and I kept getting ultrasounds. But it was no blood clot. Now, at that point, were you stressed about anything? I'm worried about my blood pressure. I'm disappointed he's not there. Mm -hmm. And then I'm disappointed that, you know, I'm still moving around in the hospital at the different phase from, you know, the um, emergency room to the, you know, time to get well room to the room where you're supposed to be with baby. And so you're hearing babies cry. You know, you're hearing moms with their, you hear the families and, you know, and I'm not having that. I can't get that because my son is in NICU and, you know, uh, it was just a really a sad moment. Okay. But, um, but, you know, and then focusing on then my blood pressure. And then all of a sudden, uh, the doctor came in to give me emergency release pill. And that emergency release pill, I took it and it did. It, it really worked immediately, but it, it also spiked something in my body. When you have high blood pressure, you're getting magnesium. And so my electrolytes was all over the place, right? And so that magnesium is water, basically. My blood pressure was very high. My sodium was always low iron. Sodium is your low iron, that's salt. And it dropped from 26 to 13. 
which meant that I wasn't getting any oxygen to my brain. So the cramps in my legs was the indication that there was something going on. But we just, you know, that's not something you normally mm -hmm. see here and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so when the doctor gave me the emergency release pill, it ignited, it was like fire shot up in my bone. And I kid you not, I did not sleep in the hospital bed that night. I literally slept, slept in a guest bed, looking at the hospital bed, you know, telling the doctor, no, I'm not sleeping in there. She's like, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine. And I was like, I just felt like that was abnormal. And so they, the nurse monitored me, of course, throughout the night. So you in the hospital regulating things, not, not doing what the nurse or the doctor says. I didn't think that what they were saying was gonna, I thought I was gonna die, I, I literally. Um, because at the time, it wasn't like I was on any monitors. So how do you know what's going on? Mm -hmm. That the very next day, they called me, I kid you not, and I text everybody, um, my dear friend that's here with me today, and my father, they, somebody was gonna pick me up from the hospital pretty much. And I texted them and said, they're gonna keep me an additional day because you know they were uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And so the um, main doctor that I have at the OBGYN came in and said, you know what, Ms. Garner, we're gonna watch you one more day just to make sure. And I wasn't hooked up on anything, but the cramps were so severe then that it was almost like somebody just took my muscles in my leg and just crumbled them up like a big old ball and just kept doing it like that was the massage that they were giving me. And so um, I was laying in the bed and I remember seeing my dad come in and this is a key point in this whole story. I remember seeing my father come in after I texted him and said, they're gonna keep me another day. He just wanted to come see his daughter. And I was, I looked over at my dad and I said, why did you come? My father's from the country. I can come see you about my baby, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and he could. Anytime mm -hmm. your father want to come see you, mm -hmm. he can come see you. And I said, I'm glad I know I know I'm not going to die. Don't ask me why I said that. Mm -hmm. I just felt that. Yeah. And so um, my father knew my feelings with my child's father not being there. I mean, I'm real close to my dad. And he was that sounding board for me. You know, he would ask me questions, um, you know, and um, when he showed up, it was just a good indication that I was going, I was, you know, my father loves me, you know? Now, was that the last thing you remember? I slipped right into a coma right after that. Whoa. I told him I was going to sleep and the nurse was there. I told her I was going to sleep because the pain was so excruciating that mm -hmm. I could not take it. And I slipped right in a coma. Um, and it's funny because as I was going in, I can remember hearing sounds like, um, like a siren, mm -hmm. and that was me on a gurney going over to the emergency room. So the hospital is really extremely big, and I'm in this one part wing, and they have to send you all the way over there. Mm. And uh, yeah, they were rushing me over there. My father, you know, later on would tell me, you know, who was in the room and what they were okay, doing, okay. but I don't remember that part. And as they were going through, I heard them say, "Oh, sh she died. It died. It died." And I thought, "Oh, you know." <laughs> I'm thinking I died. And so later, um, when I woke up and I was asking the head RN, like, what was that? And she said, that was the gurney, the battery, <laughs> the, the battery stopped and died. Because I thought I was dead. I was like, I don't know. Like, am I here? <laughs> you know, but I'm like, girl. So while I was in that um, coma, and when I woke up out of coma, this is a key part. Remember I told you my dad came? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I heard God tell me, wake up. 
it's time to make memorable moments. My father, God, came for me. And that's the beautiful part where I realized mm -hmm. that God loves me so much that he's never leave you nor forsake you. Your father's always with you, even until the end of time. Mm -hmm. And so I realized when I woke up, I was in a room by myself, but I was here, you know. And I'm, you know, trying we'll to- We'll be right back to hear the rest of Renee's story, whether or not the intimate partner ever showed up and how she has turned her story into a magnificent stage play. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true authentic self? It is possible and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. <laughs> Thank you very so much. So we left off okay. with you okay. being the battery and the girl had died. The battery, yeah, that's why you're so funny, yes. <laughs> but then when you woke up and you realized who was around you mm -hmm. and that your son's father still had not shown up, mm -hmm. what settled in for you? Um, you know, I... So there's some steps that you go through with the whole process of, you know, being abused and, and, and walking in denial. Mm -hmm. I was still saying I was trying to make up excuses, perhaps, why he didn't show up. And that's what we do as women. We make up those situations. We stay in that grief or we'll say, I wonder if, and try to give that, that reasoning why. Um, and we're trying to help them along the way because we are looking at what love is or what we believe that love was from that honeymoon phase, if you will. And so when he didn't show up, I was still disappointed. I, but the, when I came home, I knew they was trying to have a baby shower for the baby, you know. Yeah. And But I was still very disappointed. He did call when I was in a hospital in there and a the nurse told him I was in a coma. But he still held on to his story that he was out of town. Six weeks later, after being home with the baby and still having those excuses, I mean, there was a, this time there was a riot going on. And what I thought his employment was, was a part of the SWAT team, which is what he told me. And I, he was supposed to be in Baltimore, so I'm thinking, well, you should be able to come see your son now. And it was always an excuse, always an excuse. And my father was like, well, do you think he is, you know? And just mm -hmm. so happened that I looked, I, something just said, look him up on the internet. I mean. I've been with him for three years and there was nothing that, you know, would make me think that he, anything different that he was genuine. But this was just really, you know, starting to get a doggone um, suspect, meaning, you know, I got the baby here right. on a heart monitor, he forgot to breathe. And so I did. And when I looked his name up on the Internet, I learned that when I had the baby, he was 30 minutes away. And I thought, well, dog, you know, that's 
more than I can bear. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that, of course, goes into what's the next step, investigate mode, right? So <laughs> investigate it. We can do some investigating. Right, we can. Because you remember now, when I woke up out the coma, I couldn't talk, so I had to learn how to do all that. So really, you know, to sit back and try to figure out, I, I wasn't processing everything. And so six weeks later, I started processing everything. He was never married. Um, he was married years ago, but he wasn't married. He just was, he had a lot of um, patterns of disorders that went with them. So with the, um, the mental abuse, his was more um, mental. Mm -hmm. And he just told a lot of lies. And it looks like he had a lot of women online dating, you know, things of that nature going on. And so, uh, yeah, I ended up contacting a woman and just saying, hey, from a grown-up perspective, what's your relationship? She was in a relationship with him for five years. I was in a relationship Girl, for three years. wait, stop the press. Yes, wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. You called another woman. Yes. That's what we as women need to just find out. Woman to woman. Mm-hmm. And she had an honest conversation with you. A grown-up conversation with two women that says, okay, what's going on? Why, what is my man doing with you and apparently he was doing some things with her too before i before me and so she must have yeah she caught him in a couple of different things relationships well i just had to tell her i'm holding his baby six weeks old in my arms and that's my relationship and i needed to have an honest answer mm -hmm. i also emailed the washington post and so she responded and was like all i could tell you is Somebody by the name of that person was there that day Get on that time. Out of Good here. luck to you and your baby. And I was transparent. I wrote, I need to make this honest decision because I just had a baby by and, you know, mm -hmm. coma. You know, he's NICU. I was in ICU. I need to know because I was still in love with what I believed I had. I was still in love with what he told me. And so I'm starting to see the veils or the, the, the guts, the intuition, and I need to not ignore that, which is what we as women sometimes do. We yes, ignore we do. what we see mm -hmm. because we love that person. So, yeah, she gave me that reply, and I was able to walk in it. Girl. Connection with women, women to women. Grown women. Grown women. Where did you meet this man? Actually, the honest answer, this is absolutely amazing. I started dating. So after years of not being with my ch my first child for the dad, I started dating just different men and mm -hmm. just trying to figure out what I want out of this relationship, that relationship. And actually at a club I went out to, I love to dance. I okay. love to dance. <laughs> Absolutely love. Turn some music on. I love to dance. Even my son loves to dance right today. He's only two. <laughs> but and, and a mutual friend introduced me to him. And that's how, you know, he was very interested in me, wanted to, you know, dance on the dance floor, and that's how we met. And then we just went out dating. He, a mutual friend. A mutual friend. So he wasn't even a stranger mm -hmm. because you had a reference. I had a, I, it, that's why my guards went way down because it was somebody that I knew. And so when I decided to, to go on our first date, okay. you know, it was a really wonderful date. I mean, it was really nice, you know. Then we went out on a couple more dates and I just explained to him that I wasn't ready to, you know, be committed. Okay. I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up when I, in a relationship. <laughs> and he waited. He, no worries. I, I love you. I, I love you to life. I love you. I know you're going through and you went through some things previously. No worries. And he literally waited it out. Of course he can because he was still doing all his other parts. In, in hindsight. In, in hindsight, yes. And so after a while and I started weeding out, you know, the different guys on my different dates, I decided that 
you know, well, maybe he is the better one because he works two jobs, he does, he, you know, take care of his kids, he blah, blah, blah. You know, I have a whole list of things that I was checking off that. Yeah. That he, representative was a wonderful man. But yeah, he was everything I put on my list. Well, he kind of cute, he got two jobs. He, you know, I don't have to see him every day like I was with my first guy, you know. He loved the Lord, oh, he could quote scriptures, you know. And so we were on one accord, you know. I didn't mind the fact that he worked all the time because I, was busy and I didn't want that relationship. So at what point, what was the first sign of, say, emotional abuse that in hindsight we can look back and say, okay, that's where it actually started? You know, um, I realized the time difference because I was so accepting of him not having time and that, you know, not being around to, um, you know, to around some of the Christmas holidays okay. and Thanksgiving holidays, but those time where he was out working you know, that was a door open. I think that's a little bit, uh, you know, disrespectful. You can get a chance to go around family members, but sometimes if you're, you're there by yourself, you don't really, you know, you, you, you start drifting away. Even in marriages, you start yeah, drifting away. Yeah. And I believe, you know, if you put the time in, and that's the part that I would say. And then he would get angry so quick with other people, but when he talked to me, he wouldn't. Um, and then he started over time getting like, you know, like if I ask questions like, why can't you ask your job? I just can't, I, I'm the captain or I'm the lieutenant. And I, you know, it was just mm -hmm. zero to 1000 real quick. Mm -hmm. It was really crazy. Until one day a lady gave me a book that was, and I had just had the baby. And she said she wanted an older lady. She wanted to put me into this club, a book club. And I'm so excited. And as we, get involved in this book club. She called me the next day and she started reading the book and she told me to open the first page and read the cover and everything. And I read it out loud. It was Jerome Dickey's, you know, um, The Other Woman. Mm -hmm. I thought the title was going to intrigue me. She said, yeah, and that's you. You have that going on in re your relationship. And I'm just going to say, if you're going to still sleep with him, make sure you protect yourself. Amen. Hey. The woman gave me the information. Guess what I needed to do as that woman? Make the choice, right? But a lot of times women, we don't want to tell the information because we don't want our friend to hurt, get hurt or be mad at us. Or we just be quiet because, you know, sometimes they get mad and go with oh, the man I don't and fuss you get out. Involved. Yeah, and fuss you out, yeah. And so I appreciate the wisdom from yes. that woman mm -hmm. and the courage she had to just share that with me. And if I can say anything is, you know, the Bible says, you know, the elder teach the young and that's what he's bringing back. And that's how I felt. She was able to just say something to me, to impart to me, and she taught me. And it just clicked for you just like that. Ah, uh, yeah, it did. So after the phone call, mm -hmm. right? The phone call that you had with, with the other woman. Yes. And you, the post, the reporter from the Washington Post, mm -hmm. returning and giving you the information that you needed. Yes. What did you do from there? I healed. I healed. Um, I literally took some time to just, Anita just really healed. I have um, a 14-year-old daughter now. Um, she was just feeling all types of ways, you know, because the man that we thought was, you know, isn't. And then also I had to deal with the fact that her dad was absentee father. And so I had to deal with making sure she was whole and myself. And then I have a young baby son that, that I need to make sure that he, I'm going to Kennedy Krieger. I'm going to all those places just to make sure that he doesn't have any other signs of anything. And so I needed to really heal. I got a counselor for my family, a family counselor, 
counselor, and we really dove into those healing sessions. Okay. Um, but then, I, you know. Was there any technique or affirmation that you remember that helped you more than others? Uh, believing in myself. Believing in myself that I can. And then um, I realized that, you know, you can be beat up, that you start doing some negative talking. Mm. Yeah. And, and the clarity, I just, that, that self-doubt negative talk. Um, so how, how did you combat that? How did you stop the negative talk? Um, I actually wrote down things that was positive about me and things that I wanted to aspire. And, you know, I, everybody say do prayer, but you can't explain, you know, if you're not a believer, then how can you say, so writing down those things that help you out to say, I am beautiful, I am confident, I am strong, I am amazing. And I, as I started to write those things down, I mean, I already knew that God is faithful, God is love, you know, mm -hmm. and everything that's in me, you know, he created. But then all of a sudden I started to find the gift, the thing that I wanted, and I started to realize that it's on the inside of me. Like it wasn't the men that was out there. It wasn't the love that I was looking for. It wasn't the, you know, things that I can remember from, from being a kid. That was the diversion. That was some things. And then I realized that I had to deal with those negative things are the monsters that are in the inside of you, me, Renee, my inner man were monsters, the things that okay. kept me down, that made me feel like I wasn't worthy enough, I wasn't cute enough, or I wasn't, you know, smart enough. And those are the things that I had to combat, you know. Um, and then, you know, trying to curtail my talking, you know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, when you're in, in an environment that's argumentative, you end up conveying argumentative, yes. you know? Yeah. And so that's part, that, that's... Because it builds up inside, and even though you aren't expressing them verbally, internally, you're constantly, you know, bat and jab, bat and jab, trying to prepare for the next time it happens so that you will have something smart to say. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And you know, they say, if you love me, you'll fight for me. If you love me, you argument. You know, you're only arguing because you care about me. That's not true, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Look right here into this camera right here and please say that again. <laughs> All right, what, what I say? Uh, if you love me, you're, you're only arguing because you care about me. You know, if you love me, that's why you're arguing at me. Mm -hmm. You're fussing at me because you just so engulfed in me. You love me so much. And you know, you care about me. That's why you're fussing at me. That's why we're saying those things. You know, that's not true, babe. That's not it. You know, no one should love you and fight you. No one should love you and hit you. You know, no one should love you and say those hurtful things to you because you're worth more than that. You're absolutely amazing, beautifully and wonderfully made. And as you begin to walk in it and find yourself, you'll know that if you love me, you will talk to me in love with some respect, build me up and love me more than I can imagine, more than I can want. You'll love me more than I can even ask or think. Take a good look at your situation. An abuser doesn't have to be just an intimate partner. It could be a friend, it could be a parent, it could be a neighbor or a supervisor, it could be anybody. If you are being emotionally, mentally, or physically abused, or even if it happened some time ago in your past, it could still manifest today in forms of fear, low self-esteem, or even suicidal thoughts. 
one thing you can do is call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. We are here for you because I know sometimes you don't want to be fixed, you just want to be heard. The Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Start your journey to emotional healing today. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out thatanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.